Look at my butt. Show number 211 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. We have launch. We have launch. And listeners, welcome to another episode of the fabulous podcast, Look at His Butt, talking about Star Trek and James T. Kirk. I just thought I'd do a bigger intro. Not that well, anybody yes. who listens to this doesn't know what the heck we're talking about. But but here's something else we haven't done in a long time. Yeah. I'm Jungle Kitty. Oh, and I'm Lena Taylor. And this is our show that we've been yes. doing for 10 years. It, it hasn't been quite that long, has it? It's very close. It's over 200 shows. It is. I know. It just keeps chugging along because <laughs> it, it is the most fun thing ever to do this show. It really is. And really, listeners, where else could you find out about Star Trek cremation urns? <laughs> really? <laughs> so um, this appeared on a website called Cool Things, and the headline is, Star Trek cremation urns is one way to stay fanboy even after you pass away. I think that should have been our one way instead of is. Mm. So you can get these things. Um, let's see. They're offered by some company um, and they're urns. They're cubes. And they mm -hmm. have a piece of metal that's bolted to the front that has your name on it. And it's got the insignia and there's a little picture of the Enterprise there. And underneath it, it says to boldly go. And it's got your, your birth and death star dates. That's right. Birth and death dates. Uh, so here's what it says. You dedicated your life to Star Trek. Isn't it only fitting, fitting that you dedicate your death to it, too? <laughs> oh, no. If you answered in the affirmative, then you can arrange to have your cremated ashes housed inside this Star Trek urn so you can boldly go to the final frontier. At first, we thought this is somebody, somebody's idea of a Trekker joke, but it's a form, an official endorsement from the StarTrek.com site, so it's uh, licensed. Paramount approved it. It's a real, actual thing. Um, <laughs> It's an uninspiring boxy shape constructed out of composite materials with a storage capacity of 190 cubic inches, and it comes with a stainless steel faceplate. Um, let's see. Created by Memorial Products Specialist's Eternal Image, the urns are said to offer, quote, fans a unique expression of their love for the franchise. <laughs> That's terrible. That's like, let's just take it right down to the basics. It's not. A I know. It's like, well, that's why I love it is because it's a franchise. Oh my god! It's yeah. Because <laughs> like, like we were talking about in the last show, you know, Paramount. They're gonna just say that's enough. <laughs> We've made enough money off of the show. Let's just stop doing things. That's yeah. right. Um, according to the official Star Trek website, they're available for the low, low price of seven hundred and ninety nine dollars <sighs> from from some place in Florida. Uh, the Osceola Me Memory Gardens Funeral Home and Cemetery. Um, by October 1st, though, they'll be widely available throughout the U.S. So here's okay, my, you could my objection. You could make something much, much cheaper than that, but, you know, the whole funeral business is a ripoff. So. Oh, of course it is. So here's what I'm really objecting to is that in the example image that they put here, which is no doubt Photoshopped, whose name did they put on the front? James Tiberius Kirk. I think that's a little tasteless, honestly. And well, also, Kirk's ashes didn't go anywhere. <laughs> this he, is true. He was in another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also kind of, kind of pointless because we know Kirk doesn't ever die and stay dead. That's right. So, so those ashes are just going to reconstitute themselves and break out of the box mm -hmm. and, and be Kirk again. 
Exactly, exactly. I was trying to work out what the star dates were on this, whether they actually corresponded to anything or if they were just random numbers. That somebody They're just could... random numbers. Okay. Yeah. So there you are, everyone. You can have a Star Trek cremation urn. And honestly, I, I can't recommend this. Um, I was planning on being cremated, but I certainly wasn't going to have my ashes put in an urn. I would just like them to go no. in the garden. Yes, yes. Um, the other thing that bothered me about this mm-hmm. is... It refers two or three times to this being for fanboys. Yes. It's not for fans. It's only for fanboys. Because, mm-hmm. of course, there would be no girls who would be into something like this. No. Well, girls aren't going to die. And... No. <laughs> no girls like Star Trek. What are you, crazy? And, we, and, you know, we would want a pink box with a girl on it. <laughs> That's true. And a you... big... And a big Janice Rand wig on top. That's true. You know, if they really wanted to make this accurate, it should have been red. <laughs> that's so true i think they missed a trick there but i mean yeah. s- seriously would you really like say it was you know i don't know your brother or whatever and they died and they wanted to be cremated and then you put them in this urn would you really put this up on a shelf like in in your house where you would look at it all the time that, i don't know i think that's kind of creepy well okay if it was a family member and they had specifically requested this mm-hmm. You know, of course, I would go along yeah, with yeah. Their, their last wish. I don't know that I would, you know, prominently display it. But, boy, <laughs> I would never make the decision if the person's dead. You know it would be really cool, oh. everybody? Let's put the ashes in this Star Trek thing. Really? I, I guess the thing is, I, I mean, I know that people will do that with ashes. Like, it'll be in a beautiful yes. urn or something, and someone might keep it in their house. But generally, it's not the kind of thing where it's on a shelf and everybody who comes into your house goes, hey, look at those ashes that are up on the shelf, you know? Yeah. It might be in something that's discreet or it's in a closet mm-hmm. or, or someplace like that. And this just kind of smacks of like some kind of weird post-death exhibitionism. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so, okay. So I just wanted to... So you to can say... continue to be annoying and awkward to have around <laughs> after your death. That's exactly right. And for some people, that's probably a goal. So <laughs> let, let's let them have it. Let's just let them have it. Oh, man. Um, okay. So let's move along to some other things. So I found some fun stuff on Tumblr. Um, I want to talk about the portraits first before we do okay. the, the Kirk um, drawing tutorial. So um, James Van Hyes, who is a noted Star Trek author and who has written mm-hmm. many books about Star Trek, has a Tumblr. And it's called The History of Star Trek. And it's pretty cool. He posts a lot of interesting images of uh, merchandise associated with the show, uh, photos from, you know, the set, from the movies. It's really a good Tumblr. So if you guys are on Tumblr, I would invite you to go and sign up for it. And it's History of Star Trek Tumblr. And there's dashes between the words. You know what I didn't know? Yes. Is that he was the founder of the Zine Enterprise Incidents. <gasps> oh, okay. And... You know, I had or have several of those. Mm-hmm. As, as and, do I, yeah. And it was a, a great early zine that always had photos that at that time were quite rare that you didn't see, you know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so he's continued to do that. And I think some of the stuff that he posts here is from Enterprise Incidents, not mm-hmm. like scans of the zine, but scans of the stuff that he put in the zine. So it's mm-hmm. the original items. And his wife, Della Van Huys, is a yes. very famous author under that name and under uh, other names as well. So here he's got on this one day uh, a series of portraits of the principles of TOS done by 
the artist Frank Kelly Frias. And I know who Frias is because he's done, uh, he's dead now, but in his prime he did hundreds and hundreds of covers for um, Astounding and Galaxy and, and Asimov's Magazine, and they're all really mm-hmm. beautiful. Like, And he also was the one who had adapted one of his paintings to the cover of that Queen album, News of the World, which is oh. very famous. So, um, And he's a great guy with a great sense of humor, and I always loved his illustrations because they are beautiful in themselves. So these are all of the folks, and there's Kirk and Spock and McCoy and Scotty and Uhura and Sulu and Chekhov at the end. And for some of them, you can tell exactly what photo he did these from like the Chekhov mm-hmm. one in particular it's like I knew exactly which photo he was doing mm-hmm. um, and I, I think they're beautiful they're all really good except the one of Kirk doesn't look anything like Kirk and you and I have talked about this before that for some reason he is so difficult to draw and, and neither of us are artists mm-hmm. but based on fan art we've seen there are so few that actually resemble him. Exactly. And I was shocked that an artist as good as Frias, and I've seen, um, I have a book of his art, and there's pl- um, paintings where they've shown the source photo, like he had a model do a pose mm-hmm. and then took a picture of the model and then he painted it, and they're exact, right? Like that's exactly right. the way the model looked. So if he's looking at a picture of Shatner, why can't he do Shatner? <laughs> he's a professional I- artist. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the other thing um, that I really did not like here was, um, although the one of Uhura does look very much like Nichelle Nichols, it's very much a, a playboy drawing. It is. It's a pinup girl pose that she's in. It, it is. And, her, you know, she has a gorgeous figure anyway, but this is exaggerated. It, it, it is. And that was the kind of thing that he did a lot of. So I would say this is consistent with his style. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, not that it was like cheesecake or anything, but that's just no. the way he liked to draw women was like that. Um, I do love the fact that Scotty's wearing a kilt and he's got a sword and he's, you know, kind of dressed up like that. I think that's, yeah. that's cool. And the one of McCoy, I think, is, is the best one. It he, is. He just looks exactly like DeForest Kelly and he's got a very warm smile on his face and he's mm-hmm. holding his medical tools. But, yeah, out, out of all of them, like why? Why did And why did they let that go into production for this uh, series of portraits, you know? There was no person who said, you know, these are great, but the Kirk one doesn't look anything like William Shatner. Could you yeah. maybe work on that a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, I just had to um, bitch about that a little. But you should all go and look at them because they're beautiful. But that brings me to the second thing that I wanted to talk about. Yes, I need you to sort of explain this to me a little bit. Um, I sort of get it and sort of, (laughs) you know, go, okay. So dive right in. Um, So... There are a number of tumblers that I follow, and the people who run them are artists and do fan art, and some of the art is really good. So somebody had posted a thing that said, um, help, people who watch Star Trek, would you have a picture or know where to find one of Jim with his head bent down? And she put a little sketch there. Mm-hmm. She says, I've looked and I can't find anything, and please give me some assistance because I can't do it. And so the person who responded, who has a blog called, uh, sorry, a Tumblr called captain-kirkstumblr.com, mm-hmm. posted a little tutorial about drawing Kirk. And I thought, in view of the fact that even professional artists can't quite get it right, this was interesting. Mm-hmm. So she's taken a couple of shots of, of Kirk. There's one black and white one. And she's sort of shown how to get the angle of his face correct. And mm-hmm. so she says, this is the formula I use when drawing his face. He is literally the only person I've had to do this for because he is so difficult to draw. 
um, his jaw is like a rounded out square. So he doesn't have a square jaw. It's more rounded. And that is one of the flaws in the Frias picture is that he's very square jawed. Yes. And you see that a lot lot in comics art. Mm Mm-hmm. And Bill just doesn't look like that. That's not the shape Mm -hmm. of his face. Um, From some angles, it looks a lot more round. And he's got sort of a a rounded part to the top of his cheekbone as well. So it's the point Mm -hmm. of his jaw near his neck. But then the top is is very rounded, Um, which I think as we've commented, you know, on some men would look very feminine. But on him, it doesn't. It just enhances the the maleness of his face, in my opinion. Yes. and so she says, um, you have to find landmarks on his face. So that's where you start a line and go to another line. And so the the landmarks that she's done are under his ear, up at the top where the uh, pointy sideburn starts, and mm-hmm. then also under his eye because that's a, an important part in the corner of his mouth as well. And then she just shows... Um, in a lot of other screen caps, how you, you make this sort of wedge shape on his face. And that's the key to making his face look like his face. Wow. Like somebody else's face is just getting the jawline right. If you can get the jawline right, the rest of it sort of follows. And so if, if anyone out there is an artist and is interested in, in this little thing, I'll put the link in and you can look at it, but I think it's just interesting. And also very interesting that someone has confirmed, yes, it's very hard to draw his face and make it look like him. Yeah. I think it, the the structure of his face, you know, putting together, you know, the squareness, not squareness, mm-hmm. is very unique. Mm-hmm. If it's that hard for people to draw. Yeah. And people who normally can do very, very accurate illustrations. Yeah. I, I think perhaps there's um, a reluctance to make his face as rounded and I'm going to put quotes around this as feminine as it is Mm -hmm. like there's this tendency to want to draw him all angular and he's not that's just not the way his face looks no and that's one of the things that has always appealed to me yes is that he is not the square jawed hero you know not not the Dudley do-right thing to to really exaggerate no and he's got very full lips and Mm -hmm. you know his nose isn't pointy he's got a very rounded tip to his nose and yep He's just, he's got a lot of roundnesses on his face. But yes, that for me too is what makes him so appealing. Yes. That's all the charm and hotness right there. He's so pretty. He is so pretty. And just as a side note, I want to say all of these links that you sent for these different articles, there uh-huh. are so many beautiful pictures of him <gasps> in there. <laughs> Every time I opened them up, I was like, oh, look at that picture. He's so beautiful. <laughs> this is true. I, I was noticing that too when I was reviewing them before the show. <laughs> it's like thank you, editors, for choosing the most flattering pictures of him that you could possibly choose for these articles. Yes, he's so happy. Okay, so those are my three things done. So go. Okay. What do you want to so talk let's about? Let's skip to the bottom of my list since we're talking about how wonderful Kirk is, <laughs> and I want to uh, talk about this article: Why Captain Kirk is still one of the greatest <laughs> space heroes of all time. And look at that picture. Look at the uh, first picture. <laughs> I know. It's Kirklight all over the place. Oh, Kirklight, Kirklight. God, we love it. <laughs> now, um, this article was written by the guy who wrote um, the autobiography. Mm-hmm. That's right. And also wrote the great Futurama episode, Where No Fan Has Gone Before. Yes, David Goodman, that's his name. That is his name. Um, but this article, I thought, was a really interesting 
sort of analytical thing. It's not silly. It's not mm-hmm. tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, why has Captain Kirk remained an icon when Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon have faded? And they were sort of, you know, his his predecessor. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things he talks about are things we already know. Number one is he's from the future, but also the Old West. And this is illustrated by a picture from <laughs> Gorn Fight Club. <laughs> yep. But um, he says uh, they didn't just, you know, stick a cowboy hat on him. Um, but Kirk was a kind of future scholar mm-hmm. on all things American. He doesn't just stand in for America as a cowboy. He celebrates it. In Kirk's era, the United States of America is a thing of the past. It pays, plays no role in the Federation. Yet the original series is rife with Kirk referencing his ancestors of the American West, his idolization of Abraham Lincoln, and the Omega Glory mm-hmm. where he recites the Constitution. So that really connects with the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one, this, you know, th- this one really kind of intrigues me and bears some thought. He's the ultimate revenge of the nerd. Um, it, it, it talks about Flash Gordon was a Yale graduate and a polo player. Buck Rogers was a World War One veteran who surveyed mines. And what Kirk was before he was a captain was a nerd. <laughs> and he has talked about this in, in the show. Kirk has made reference to his academy days that he was grim. And Gary Mitchell says he was a, a stack of books with legs. And Finnegan picked on him. Mm-hmm. And they said, so he, this really gets to the heart of what J.J. Abrams doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. Is audience, were, that was one of the things that made audiences able to connect to him. They didn't overplay it, mm-hmm. but it kind of showed, okay, even if you are a nerd, you can work hard and, and still end up, you know, the, the captain of the enterprise. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be stuck in nerddom or picked on geek forever. Yeah. I just love the fact that it's very obvious, even though we don't see it, that Kirk grew up. Right. Yes. Like when he was in the academy, he was he was a stack of books with legs, and he was grim. He was too serious, and he didn't have any fun. But he grew up, right? And yes. that's, that's what we all think is like. Okay, I might be like a, a nerdy jerk when I'm a teenager, but I am going to get older one day, and I know things are going to get better. And that Kirk is the perfect example of that. Yeah, I mean, how much better could it get? <laughs> For him, none. None more yes. better. <laughs> Um, number three, he plays the field but isn't happy about it. So Look at that picture, though. I was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, They're very can't... high resolution. Oh, They're they... good size. They are. He, I don't even know which episode this is from, but he just looks so good right there. Oof. Oh, that's from uh, uh, Wear No Man. You can tell by the, the neckline of the shirt. Are you sure? Which one are you looking at? Oh, I'm sorry. This is the one that's right above number three. Oh, okay. No, I don't know what episode that is. Okay. But this talks about how, you know, he has a lot of women and stuff, but um, in Naked Time, we see that he wanted this relationship. The one thing he doesn't mention is Paradise Syndrome. Yes. Which right. I thought was the, the really the greatest illustration mm-hmm. of um, him getting his wish fulfillment, at least briefly. Right. right. What he really wanted and what made him so happy. Yes. Yes. So there's that. Um He's proud of where he went to school. Be true to your school. Um, and, yeah, they, you know, they talk about that he, he still talks about his academy days and the things he had to study. And um, they say, this, but the interesting thing to this writer, at least, was the academy was not perfect. Mm-hmm. They haze. They have hazing. 
Um, people get kicked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, staying too long could ruin your career, like Ben Finney. And you can be an asshole and still graduate. <laughs> like Gary Mitchell. <laughs> well, we don't know if he graduated. Well, yeah, of, of course he did. But he says, I'm referring to Commodore Wesley, mm-hmm. who decides when his friend Jim Kirk loses his ship to a machine in the ultimate computer to call him a dunsel, mm-hmm. academy slang for a useless piece of crap. Watch that episode again. Wesley is being a total jerk. <laughs> I agree. And, you know, I never thought about that point, but I was really glad that he brought it up because it's true. The Academy is incredibly important and they can continue that through TNG. I thought really Mm -hmm. well, the importance of the Academy, but also that the Academy isn't perfect. Right. And he says, Star Trek's audience has always been highly educated. Mm -hmm. And um, he says, we now see this isn't just due to the nature of the stories it told, but because it was important to its main character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, also... Younger people who are in school, school isn't perfect. There's no perfect school. You can still come out of it. You can still get value out of it. That's right. Um, number five, he makes mistakes. And he is he is aware of these mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he wants to uh, rectify them. And this is part of what makes him not a cardboard hero. He was vulnerable and human and also was able to learn from his mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, he apologizes to McCoy for losing his temper. Yep. I think the best example was in Errand of Mercy, which he mentions right in here. Yes. You know, that part where he's looking at the, the um, Organians and he starts to yell and go, we have the right. And mm-hmm. they say, what, to blow each other up and kill them? And Kirk's like, oh, shit. I'm yeah. so wrong. I am so wrong right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great. A perfect acting by Shatner in that. That whole second part of that episode is so good. It really is. It really is. And and it also mentions um, that in Balance of Terror, he wonders if he's if the decisions he's mm-hmm. making are totally wrong. Yeah. If he is just really screwing the pooch on it. Yeah. So yeah. that makes him very human. Then there's he's funny. <laughs> and he's pointing out, you know, not just that Shatner was able to, to play a little humor, but that Kirk could actually make a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- I think that set off a lot of the... Um, the, the heroics, you know, that that are now more standard to movies and TV is that your leading man can be funny. Yeah. You know, not a clown, mm-hmm. but he can make jokes. Yep. You know, not necessarily be laughed at, but that he is making a joke. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, as we see often, really poking fun at Spock or McCoy, mm-hmm. it, but in a very gentle way. I mean, it's not meant to be snarky and hurting someone's feelings. It's just a little bit like, yes. hey, we're good friends. I'm just going to give you a little poke. Yes. But get to and the most important one. The most important one, number seven, casting. <laughs> oh. he, he says he's worked in television for 27 years. He knows how important having the right actor is. And um, so there's, there's, there's this great picture of Kirk eye-fucking us, which uh-huh. is wonderful. And he says... Um, I, I love his last paragraph. The conclusion is simple. The worlds of Flash Gordon's Mongo and Buck Rogers' 25th century are fun places to visit, mildly diverting for the moments we decide to engage with them. But the magic of Star Trek is its fans believe Captain Kirk and his world mm-hmm. exists, even when we're not watching it or reading about it, yes. because the hero at the center has as much reality as possible for a fictional character. Mm-hmm. As a television writer, I envy that accomplishment. As a fan, I'm grateful for it. Totally. That's like the discussion we had about the play that you saw. Uh, yeah. Do the characters exist when you're not 
watching or, or, or you know, filming or writing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, to- I totally believe that Star Trek is existing when I'm not watching the show. Totally. I know. And that's part of why you go back to it yes. is going, what have they been up to? What have they been doing? I want to know more. Oh, so yes. good. This is a great article. It really is. And like we've said three times, fabulous pictures. Oh, so good. So good. Yes. All right. What do you want to read next? Well, I have to look. Okay. I have to look at the list. Um, Let's talk about, I know we don't want to talk about this too much, but it's an interesting article I ran across, which is five things Mm -hmm. we want to see in Star Trek Beyond. I don't think we'll see any of these things. Mm -hmm. But these are things I think in general we would like to see in Star Trek Mm -hmm. instead of what we are seeing. (laughs) And there's a lot of pictures here, and none of them will take your breath away. But um, (laughs) the first one is more science. Mm -hmm. Scientific rigor has always been a hallmark of the Star Trek universe, which may account for why its fans have taken it so seriously, because it's easy to feel that the creators take it seriously, too. Mm -hmm. And it says, you know, the reboot, they're trying to open it up to other people and stuff, but... um, it, it, the last sentence says it would it would be nice if it would return, if only for a little while, to the scrupulous intellectualism mm-hmm. that made the show so appealingly heady and dense. Totally agree with that. I mean, yep. as much as Star Trek wasn't science, right? It was science fiction. There were never giant plot holes like there were at the end of the Into Darkness movie. You know, the mm-hmm. whole thing with Khan's blood and all the rest of it. It was like, really? Did you guys bother to think about this for five minutes? No. You know, that's it's not even close to being science. It's just mm-hmm. let's come up with some giant plot points and hope people don't see that there are holes right next to them. Yes. Now, the next one is more science fiction. <laughs> Yeah. It says um, Next Gen had more science fiction to it than the original series, and I think I agree with that for the most part. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the, what we're seeing now are really just shoot 'em ups in spaceships. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, you throw in an alien or something, and it's, I don't know, that... There's more to science fiction than that. Yeah, like having a fist fight on a moving object through San Francisco. Yes. Because that was all about the fist fight. It wasn't about the fact that they were on a moving object. Yes. Number three, more repartee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their idea of repartee is people insulting each other. Yes. See, I was going to say that. When we were just talking about Kirk being able to crack a joke, mm-hmm. he rarely did that, right? I mean, Spock and, and McCoy were pretty bitchy to each other, but that's just because they were fighting over Kirk's affections. Um, <laughs> you know. Like but, two aging drag queens, as, exactly, as uh, yes. I think the New Yorker said. <laughs> And that's totally accurate. But, but you know, the whole point of them poking gentle fun at each other was not to be mean and to, mm-hmm. to just snorkely and nastily insult each other all the time. And I felt like that was the whole dynamic in the movies was like, let's just be mean to each other all the time. Yes. And this article points out that Into Darkness, they scaled way back on that just so they could have more action i guess or whatever (laughs) they don't have time for characters they're too busy slugging each other hey number four an original concept Uh, yeah that would Uh, be the big one actually wouldn't that be something (laughs) because it it talks about you know how they keep rehashing and ripping off and Mm -hmm. okay give them an original adventure yep i like the last two lines on television, Star Trek managed to come up with a new adventure every week for 30 years. Surely a third film could stand to show us something we've never seen before. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, number five, less severity, more fun. Mm-hmm. Few people, hardcore fans included, expected that the Star Trek reboot would be so fun, so energetic, so vigorous, blah, 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 which is why it was so disappointing to find the sequel settle back into the usual Christopher Nolan-inspired severity. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, even at its most serious, was never self-serious mm-hmm. and certainly never wanted to look gloomy. Um, Shatner himself has, has pointed this out, that when he was asked to look at the pilot, with Jeffrey Hunter and Gene Roddenberry asked him what he thought. He said, I think everybody is taking themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you, they have to lighten up. And that is one of the key things he brought to that show. Absolutely. I, I like the um, photograph that they've used to illustrate this. Yes. Which is a, a, a blooper, uh, an image from one of the blooper reels of, mm-hmm. of Leonard Nimoy cracking up and DeForest Kelly rolling his eyes. <laughs> And I like this description of Into Darkness. Into Darkness was all steel and smoke, all tragic deaths and post-9-11 unease. Yeah, totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. So I, I would love to see these things in the next movie. Not that I'm going to see it, but it would no. be good if it had those things. No, but these, were, these are all things that as pretty much lifelong fans, mm-hmm. we have come to associate with Star Trek. Yep, yep. And uh, I honestly think that if they... they did more of this sort of thing, they're not going to turn off these new fans that they've gained, and they would set themselves apart from every other wham-bam sci-fi franchise. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. By having a brain and a heart. If only, if only it would have that. It would be great. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, can we talk about the gummies? <laughs> yes. Because there's something very weird about this. <laughs> Isn't there, though? <laughs> so, um, where did you find this, anyway? Did it just come in? It showed up, I believe, on the Shatner Facebook. Okay. So, and I was like, ew, because I hate gummies. Uh, I'm not a, a fan of gummies to start out with, but... Okay, yeah. so... Um, Star Trek USS Enterprise gummy candy, five bucks, which is actually not much for this sort of thing. No. Uh, delicious Star Trek Enterprise gummy candy. The USS <laughs> Enterprise has searched the galaxy for only the finest ingredients and natural flavors to make these flagship miniatures. These gummy treats are sure to create a galactic explosion of fruity flavors in the mouth of big and little aliens everywhere. Hot weather issues. We cannot take responsibility for products damaged in transit due to extremes in temperatures. <laughs> so if they melt, you're out of luck that's right you're getting a, a melt oh and they're out of stock i see that now here's the weird thing so i was looking at this and then i thought oh look at the top it says star trek merchandise gifts and collectibles from and the name of the company is themed merchandise corporation yes which is like a placeholder name <laughs> right i mean who yeah. calls their company themed merchandise corporation <laughs> Well, obviously someone who has not consulted an expert. Expert. So then I started looking around a little bit more, and I see that the copyright on the website is 2008, and the last piece of news that they have in their news section is also 2008. Oh, my God. So these have been out of stock for some time. And then if you look at some of the other categories, in some of them there's like one thing, and in the very last one for the mouse pad, there's nothing. There is no mouse pad. (laughs) 
mouse pads. Because nobody uses mouse pads anymore. So that tells you how old this is. So at first I was like, oh, you know what? I might just get those gummies just to see what they're like. But sadly, I don't think they're available. I think that these people went out of business a long time ago. Right, right. And yeah, there are no seven-year-old gummies laying around. They're all gone. They're all gone. So unfortunately, the themed merchandise company, whoever (laughs) was was doing it, I don't know about that or or where they've gone or who it was. I, I kind of browsed around to see if there was like um, a name that we might recognize, you know, mm-hmm. if it was set up as somebody's thing, but I don't know. It's just, it's weird. And But they left the website up. So <laughs> as a permanent memorial to the uh, themed merchandise corporation. Well, do you know there are like websites that are dedicated to having links to dead websites? Really? <laughs> yes. You know, ones that just are just still there and nothing ever happens on them. Nothing new is ever added. You know, some of them are like all text, you know, it's like pre-graphics and everything. It's like, yeah, this junk's still floating around out there. (laughs) Wow. So, you know, here it is, 2008-themed merchandise corporation. You know, before we take a break, there's one thing that didn't make it on either of our lists, and we really should acknowledge it. And that is the amazing Nichelle Nichols. <gasps> yes. Oh, my goodness. She is such a badass. It's amazing. It, it, it is not that long ago that she had a what they said was a minor stroke, mm-hmm. but she seems to have recovered fantastically, and she has now gone into space. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. And there is a picture of her in, in the plane or whatever the vehicle happens to be, mm-hmm. giving the Live Long and Prosper salute. And, man, she looks happy. She, she looks really fabulous. Happy. She has been so active with NASA and recruiting, mm-hmm. you know, females and blacks and minorities and everything. So it's not this white boy club. And she also took triples with her. <laughs> there are pictures of Nichelle, you know, with do, doing the, the Vulcan sign. And she's got, you know, like triples. I hope they aren't feeding them because uh, that could be really bad on the space mm-hmm. station. But, man, congratulations to her. Oh, she is amazing. And as I, I when I posted the picture that I saw, there she is being all Captain Uhura, which is the best thing ever. <laughs> yes. Oh, good old Captain Uhura. Oh. We love her so. Yep. <laughs> So good. So very, very good. So, yeah, that was a big, that was a highlight. And I was so delighted to see it getting so much press. Yes. It was all over the place. It was in the news and it was on Twitter and Tumblr. and uh, Everybody was just so happy about it. It was great. Well, sure. Yeah. (laughs) So, and a a, a great, great achievement. And I'm just so glad to see her in good health. Yes. I think everybody is. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Well, let's take our break. Okay. And then it's going to be time for Etsy. Yes, yes. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And please visit us at the Look at His Butt Facebook page. Okay, so we're back. Yes. 
And now we're going to get into something really philosophical and Mm -hmm. uh, interesting. And I'm going to apologize right off for any noise you might hear, because during the break, I sat on my headset (laughs) and broke it. (laughs) So... So I'm having to hold it into place. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're going to graduate from the academy pulling shit like that. Just... <laughs> no, I know I'm not. I told you this whole week machines have been against me, and now there's this. So I'll be buying a new one. But anyway, <clears throat> this is an article. Star Trek articles are appearing in the most unusual places. Yes. There was some in Business Week, mm-hmm. and this one's in Forbes. Of all places. And it's in their science section. Mm-hmm. And the the article is entitled, The Philosophy of Star Trek, The Kobayashi Maru, No-Win Scenarios, and Ethical Leadership. Mm -hmm. It's good. Um, The woman who wrote this, uh, Janet Stemwettel, I I know her like I know of her, and Mm -hmm. she does a lot of writing about... um, educating the public on science and why it's important and and I was not surprised to see her write this but really happy because she is a very good communicator I think um, and this was a great example of using something from you know science fiction to actually talk about real world situations yes um, and at the very beginning she gives a really good brief description mm-hmm. of um, the Kobayashi Maru she says Starfleet's Sorry, no-win scenario training exercise tests ethical decision-making and leadership. Part of that ethical leadership is recognizing the limits of your powers and deciding what to do in the face of those limits. Mm -hmm. Now, that's really interesting to me just even that much because I'd never really thought about, they say, Kobayashi Maru is a test of character. But what? Mm Mm-hmm. What, 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 yeah, what, what is are the they testing? looking for? What are they looking at? Yeah, yeah. It's decision-making. And I love the fact that it's about uh, decision-making rather than just um, pure force, right? It's mm-hmm. not like a video game where it's how fast can you shoot these things or, or how many bombs can you drop to blow something up. It's what decision are you going to make in this situation that will have the best outcome, even if that outcome isn't a very good outcome. Right. And... um you know, her whole thing in this is ethical decision-making and coming to the realization that the best you can do, because there are no-win situations, mm-hmm. might be the least bad thing. Right, right. And how do you deal with that? And that got me to thinking about, okay, so if that really was the purpose of it, then the test almost isn't the test, Mm-hmm. The test would probably be like the debriefing afterwards. Yeah, that's right. And we don't we don't ever really see that. Mm-hmm. Although there is, I mean, they they um, they imply that there's going to be a debriefing after that. I think. Yeah. Where they're going to talk about it, but yeah, and, and I think it's also not even the final decision that you make, but what are the steps that led to that decision? Right. How, how were you behaving with your crew? What were you telling them to do? And, and what sorts of information were you gathering and using to, to come to that final decision? Yes. There's two interesting paragraphs here I want to share. It says, young James T. Kirk reprogrammed the Kobayashi Maru because he didn't grasp the point of the simulation. Mm -hmm. Kirk thought it was a test of whether in the circumstances you could succeed in saving everyone. Mm -hmm. On that, well, in Kirk's life, that is the test as far as he's concerned. But on that basis, he thought the circumstances were unfair since there was no way to save everyone. So he changed them. In fact, the Kobayashi Maru was meant to find out how the cadet responds when it becomes clear that you can 
can't save everyone and that your best efforts may have created a situation where you can't save anyone. Mm -hmm. It's a test of character and one that wouldn't work if the cadet knew ahead of time that this was the point of the test. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like that because I don't know if they ever explicitly stated in Star Trek... Well, they didn't. You know, what was the point of the test? It's a test of character, but that mm-hmm. doesn't tell you much. Mm-hmm. And it's not even really clear to me, did the cadets know they were going into a no-win scenario? Right. I don't think they did. Given given Savick's reaction, mm-hmm. I, I don't think she knew that at all. Like, she was dumbfounded by the fact that it blew up. <laughs> like, there, there was no way to get out of it. And when they explain to her that it's a no-win scenario, she doesn't understand it at all. Like, why would you do that? Why would you put somebody in a no-win scenario? Right. And, you know, the fact that um, I believe Kirk took the test three times. Yeah. Right. It was obvious that he thought you could um, succeed. You right. could pass the test. Mm-hmm. Well, she does say something about... Um, uh, that actually Kirk, by reprogramming it, programming it uh, lost this opportunity to, to learn something about himself and about ethics. I think that's right. So that's balanced by, I found the part that I was looking for when she says, okay. um, I think the optimism embodied in Kirk's rejection of the no-win scenario is the sort of thing that can motivate creative thinking about oh, how yes. to do a better job sharing a universe. So that I think that's what we're supposed to take away from it, that mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to reprogram it showed that he could find a creative solution to what looks like a no-win situation. And for me, that's really a lot of what Kirk is about, that whenever he's in a situation that looks really shitty, he finds a creative solution to it. Yes. And he believes in his core that there is always going to be some creative solution to any bad situation that you're in, and that's because he's Kirk, and that's his whole thing. And that That's what he believes in. That is mm-hmm. his core philosophy, yep. is if you... Work hard enough at it, think hard enough, you know, push your crew, make your officers be creative and provide solutions. You can do it. Mm-hmm. And I think we also saw throughout the course of the series that he actually can be really bad when dealing with the no-win scenario, right? Because he, he doesn't like it so much that when he's in some of those situations, it, it really tests his resolve and his patience of himself that that he gets impatient with himself for not being able to deal with a situation where there is no good outcome i'm thinking of like obsession um, yes where he he is just like he cannot figure out how to do this in the way that is not going to get everybody killed and that makes him really pissed off at himself well, and I'm thinking, too, and I can't remember what episode it is, but where he's in the, the briefing room with, you know, his, his top officers, and he's really pushing them, and he says, I want that third option. Yep. Mm-hmm. Y- you guys come up with it. Do something. Do you know, something, it's yeah. It's not just, and the, the fair thing about it is he doesn't just push them. He pushes himself as well. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So I, I think all of that is true, and... Uh, you know, if only real life were like that, right? If only there really was a creative solution to, to every bad scenario that you could imagine. But that's part of the delight of Star Trek is finding out that yes. there is and that Kirk or whoever, Picard, is going to think their way out of it. Sorry, there must be somebody in the hall. <laughs> um, I do like her, her very last little paragraph. We don't like to lose. Sometimes we need... 
Sometimes we need to exercise original thinking to figure out which of the bad options available to us is most like winning. Yeah. And that is one of the really good things about Star Trek is if you stop to think about it, there really is a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Now, one other thing I have to point out, a little commercial for myself, mm-hmm. is, um, and I don't believe, I know this has never been shown in Star Trek, and I'm not even sure I ever read another fanfic that did it, but I wrote my fanfic about the Kobayashi Maru, and mm-hmm. I actually had the the student court-martial, the honor court, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Kirk. So he got to explain his reasons, and the reason I think, in my little brain, that he presents there that won them over from not wanting to expel him was he pointed out, if you're the captain of the starship, you are responsible for those 400 lives. <laughs> and it is your responsibility to do everything in your power mm-hmm. to keep them all alive. Right. And if that means you, quote, unquote, cheat or, you know, break a piece of equipment, that's what the job is. Right. I, exactly. I love your Kobayashi Maru story. I, think I am proud of that one. I got to say that. really good. And I liked the fact that um, in your explanation of what he did to win it, it wasn't that he just reprogrammed it like in the fucking movie where it's just like, oh, you know, it's going to blow up or whatever he did, that smug jerk while he was eating an apple, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was so ridiculous that the, the way that he did it, it was just meant to be a giant fuck you to Starfleet, which mm-hmm. Kirk would never do. Um, but in your story, what he, all he did was very slightly change the, the odds. Yes. So there was the possibility of mm-hmm. winning, but he didn't know what it was going to be. Right. And the thing is, for me, coming up with that was not creative at all because the very first time I saw it and saw Wrath of Khan, I thought that's what he did. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he said, I changed the parameters of the test or mm-hmm. something. Right. That's exactly Which is what different than I got the answer. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just very slightly changing the odds so that you can find something that wasn't there before. Yes. So. Yep. And it's so Kirk. I, I love the fact that they put that in there. Whoever came up with that, I guess it was Nicholas Meyer. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's such a Kirk thing to do, and it says so much about his character. It, it's, it has become iconic, right? That little yes. scene has – and the phrase is now – it's like Kwatlu's, you know? When you say Kobayashi Maru to people, they know what you're talking about. Uh, Even, right, right. And the other thing is – I think it's great that we never heard about it before because he doesn't go around bragging about, you know, I'm the only one who ever beat that test. Mm -hmm. And even when he's asked about it, you know, Savick says, well, how did you, may I ask how you did? And he Mm -hmm. says, well, you may ask. Right. You know, he's, he's not parading that. Right, right. It's just the thing that he did because he had to do it because that was what his character had to do. He had yeah, to do so it. He, he showed him his character. They had to decide if they if they wanted that or not. So mm-hmm. anyway, um I really I really like this article that it really delved into the ethics, not necessarily of what Kirk did, but of what, what was trying to be done with this test. Yes. I agree. It's a really good article. You guys should all go and read it because it's yes. good. You know, um I'm thinking now when I don't think I have ever read a fanfic about the first two times he didn't pass. <gasps> That's true. Like, what what happened that they didn't pass him, right? I mean, the passing isn't that you solve the problem. The passing is that you meet afterwards and have your debriefing and you say the things that show that you accept it. And my my idea is that when he had those debriefings, he was just an obstinate 
bulldog and was like, nope, 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 that's not the way it's going to go. Nope, I refuse to accept this. And they were like, okay, cadet, think about this for a minute. What if you were in this situation? And he goes, nope, I would never be in this situation. <laughs> and he just you know, keeps that- shaking his head. And they're like, no, come on, really, you have to learn from this. And he's like, nope, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to beat it. <laughs> You know, that's really interesting because I never, ever thought of that, about that there was a debriefing or something, because I just always thought, you know, he did it, he failed, and he said, I would like to do this again. Mm-hmm. And they went, okay. I never thought about, you know, because if they explain anything to him in the debriefing, mm-hmm. but, you know, obviously by the third time, wouldn't he have to know it's a no-win? I think he probably would, but um, I, I just, I mean, he has to get to that point. You take something three times, you know, mm-hmm. once, by the second time you're doing it, you know pretty much. And maybe that was what happened, right? He took the test the first time and he did the obvious stuff. And then yeah. the second time he had thought about it for weeks and weeks and he was like, okay, I'm going to do it like this. And then he did it like this and it still wasn't possible to win. And at that point, the penny dropped and he was like... I know what I need to do to solve this problem. Yeah. And he did it. But I think the the debriefings after tries one and two would have been fascinating. It really would have. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never seen anything on that. No, I never have. I mean, people mention it, but I've never seen mm-hmm. that particular fic. And I think a good writer could make it very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's in the autobiography. Maybe. Well, I think we'll both be reading it pretty soon, so we'll be I, able to find I out. think we will be, yeah. Good. Well, shall we leap to the nonsense that's on Etsy? Yes, please. All right. So we've got a number of things, and I think the best one is the last one, but there's some pretty amazing stuff in here in between. So starting with number one, um, if you look at it, my comment on this is that it doesn't really look like Kirk, <laughs> and that's because it's a snail. It's a Captain Kirk snail. And it's not a snail made out of like ceramic. It's knitted. It's a knitted Yes, I was snail. thinking, you know, okay, first I saw your comment. It doesn't even look like him. So I thought, oh my God, what am I looking at? And then I see that it's a Captain Kirk snail without seeing the picture. I'm going, oh my God, somebody found this slug in their garden. And, you know, it's like the potato that looks like Jesus or something. No, that this is knitted. It's knitted. And you know who it actually does look like? Oh, who? Donald Trump. Oh, it does. It has a weird hair thing sitting on his head. It's like a, a bad wig, <laughs> a snail wearing a wig. So it, it's, it's cute. Um, and it says, the trouble with tribbles is this Captain Kirk is a snail and will drown in them. Save Kirk from an untimely demise and keep him safe in your home. Oh, my um, God. So it's just, it's on a little stand, a wooden stand. So it stays upright and it's knitted and it's got a black shell and it's got the um, insignia, the Starfleet insignia sort of pasted to the side of it and a really big black eye on the side that's facing the camera. Um, have you looked at the things over on the side? <laughs> um, the Doctor Who snail? Oh, wow. Look at that. And the Hermione Granger. I mean... These all look like they've been tortured. They do. They're all knitted, and they're supposed to look like things, but don't actually look like (laughs) So maybe this is, you know, for someone somewhere, they really want a Star Trek snail. And here it is. You can buy it. (laughs) It's on Etsy. It's on Etsy, and it's 20 bucks. So there you go. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now, for the next one, um, remember we looked at the candles, the weird... um, The Pope candles. The Pope candles. Okay. So this is one I hadn't seen before. (laughs) 
and it's it says William Shatner prayer candle Saint Shatner great gift premium handmade nine inch soy candle so it's it's like those other votive candles in that it's nine inches tall it's glass and the candles inside and then it's got an image that's I guess stuck to the outside of it and they took an actual sort of gothic saint's pose where he's holding the the orthodox cross and mm-hmm. he's got one hand up and then they took the cheesiest picture of kirk like with this shit-eating grin on his face <laughs> right and pasted it over it and it's oversized too so it doesn't match the size of the body it's so goofy it is and i gotta tell you if i was a religious person i would find this so insulting but my reason would be, this is reducing religion, which I'm very sincere about, to a fandom. Really, it is. It totally <laughs> is. And it comes from Granny's Hope Chest. Oh, look, there's ones of Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. and Gary Busey. Yep, and then there's Lenny Kravitz and Bjork and Steve Hendrix, Jobs. Billy Corgan. Like, who would want them? Somebody would. So anyway, I think this is a very, very funny thing. And, you know, it is kind of useful because if there was a blackout, you <laughs> could would light I it. want guarding me? And, and St. <laughs> Kirk, St. Shatner would look oh over my you. God. But I just, I have to commend them on the choice of, of image for Kirk's face because it, it is the least serious thing that you could possibly put up there and he's really smirking the hell out of his face. Hey, did you click through to the Spock one? No. He really looks like he's been on the cross. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> That's terrible. Man, there's an awful lot. I'm looking at all of the ones that are here. Wow. You can even get a divine one if you want yeah. that. Oh, you can get... um. Christopher Walken. These are <laughs> so it's your one-stop shop for celebrity candles. Really, pretty much. <laughs> Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. Well, he deserves it. Oh my God, that's too funny. Okay, so that was that was that. Okay. Okay, and then the next thing is um, a KS sort of thing, and these are called glow hearts, and they're little like patches I guess that you would put on clothing and they're in the shape of a heart and they've got some glow in the dark material around them and the image that they used I believe these are from the same images that are on those Star Trek sheets and pillowcases <gasps> you're right yeah they're sort of cartoon-ish characters and the thing that gets me is that it's a heart with Kirk and Spock standing next to each other and they both look so angry oh they're so pissed off they are just like getting ready to slug somebody well not Spock but Kirk looks like he's just gonna hit somebody right there <laughs> well especially if you um click through to the like close-up the these are not happy guys and <laughs> Spock's head is his hair is askew it's like off <laughs> yes <laughs> and his ears are really big like, yeah yeah it's head. like they put him together wrong after Spock's brain and you know got the the top of his head really? on backwards and or the something weird look at kirk's tunic look how long it is it's like a, oh, yeah. like a dress on him or something and look at spock's midriff he looks you know pretty bulky paunchy they, they do they both look paunchy so um <laughs> they says, have a lot of reason to be angry kirk and spock comprise the perfect pair on this heart-shaped patch featuring your favorite starship captain and first officer standing side by side so it's been painted heart. with multiple layers of um, glow-in-the-dark fabric paint and hand-stitched using neon green or hot pink thread. Um, 
In the dark, they look really cool. The silhouettes of Kirk and Spock are clearly outlined, and I wish there was a picture of that, but there isn't. Yeah. Because that would be nice to see. Um, have you clicked through to the moon and the star? No. Okay. Oh, look, oh, <laughs> Please do, that. because they look like they're they're trapped in them. They do. Oh, <laughs> Kirk looks really sad and lonely. Oh. I know. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, it's a, 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 a crescent moon with Spock's face sewn onto it and then a star um, with Kirk's face sewn onto it. And the pictures they used are black and white, I think. They look, to me, they look black and oh, white. Oh, they, they look colorized at what I'm looking at. Oh, okay. But um, they look like they're trapped in these things. They do. They're just kind of floating and looking unhappy and they're not really <laughs> together. And Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's a fail. Ah, oh, okay. So you can have these if you want them. They're available. They're on <laughs> Etsy. Um, the the glow in the dark patches are ten dollars each. Okay, and you can also get it as a pin. Oh yes, you can get it as a pin. That's right. Okay. Uh, or a brooch. Yeah. If you want to be fancy about it. That's right. Fancy. Fancy. Okay. Now this next item is a thing that I haven't seen before. So it's a book called A Star Trek Catalog, the what, why, and where to get it guide for to the whole fantastic world of Star Trek. Um, and it was written by a guy named Jerry Turnbull, and it came out in 1979, so right before the movies happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like, I was like, well, what is this? And it looks like what it tells you is where to get memorabilia and things like that. And I just never saw this book before, and I thought I either weird. have this really or have something very like it. Okay, um, so I I needed more information, and I went to uh, Amazon. Well, I will say that the one on Etsy is ten bucks. If you go to Amazon, you can buy it for a penny. Oh, so okay. <laughs> that tells you what the going price is. Um, so here's what's in it. This is from the the uh, wiki on at Memory Alpha. Um, the first complete collection of Star Trek episode summaries, anecdotes, facts, and short plot capsules. And the same goes for the animated series as well. Hmm. A special interview with Gene Roddenberry and a catalog of toys, games, models, costumes, and other Star Trek accessories complete with manufacturer's addresses. And then there are biographies of the stars who made the series what it is, Shatner, Nimoy, Nichols, and others, vital statistics, acting credits, and much more that no fan should be without. And then there's an article on the Star Trek conventions and what they really mean to fans. So I'd kind of like to read that thing about the Star Trek conventions, and I'd love to see the catalog of the toys and stuff just to see what was available at that time. Well, let me see if I still have it or if I still have the thing like it. I'll check on that and let you know. Okay, because I think I've got something like that. It might even be that. Okay. You know, I have seen and have purchased so many books like this over the years. I feel like I've seen Mm -hmm. them all. And then to see one that I've never seen before was like, ooh, what's this? So if anybody out there has this book... Please tell us what is it good? Is it worth getting? What what's in it? <laughs> what sorts of fun stuff is in there? Okay. okay. Moving along to some paintings that are scary bad. It's scary. So, this one is a William Shatner 16 by 20 painting of Star Trek and Captain Kirk, and it's a square of wood with the painting done on it, done in a very uh primitive style, I would say. Mm-hmm. And the, my favorite is the one in the upper right corner. <laughs> yeah. 
if you look at these long enough, you can figure out which episode they're from. And you don't even have to look at them that long. Okay. So that one, so it's a grid of nine images of mm-hmm. Kirk, and the one in the upper right corner is him shouting, I'm Captain Kirk, from yep. Enemy Within. And the, what I like most about it is that the, his tongue is really, really, really red. <laughs> really red. I think it would be a fun game, first of all, to identify what all these are from, but oh, secondly, wow. to figure out who do they actually look like. Right, because none of them at all look like Shatner, not no. even a little bit. The ripped shirt one is especially horrible. It is. It is. He, he just he looks like he's been tortured or something. And yeah, the, well, it's from Deadly Years, but still. Oh. Um, and then the one in the bottom center. Yes. Like, he looks like some kind of drunk businessman or something. <laughs> like Kirk is suddenly, you know, I don't know, 50 years old and boozing it up at the company party. It's really sitcom It's weird. Yes. So this is very interesting. Um, but it's $265. It's so expensive. And it yeah. says, um, a beautiful 16 by 20 painting that is gallery wrapped and ready to hang. It oh, would look good on your wall or the wall oh. in your starship. There are nine different portraits in this piece representing different emotions and faces of Kirk. What What do you think is the emotion in the bottom left corner? <laughs> I don't know. I would say confusion. Um, uh, yeah, well, it, to me, it looks like he got up in the morning and put his eyes on wrong. <laughs> He looks to me like, you know how Jack looks when he gets confused? <laughs> yes. He just needs to tilt his head a little more. Yes, just a little bit more. But he has that sort of like, look on yeah. his face. <laughs> yep. Okay, so that really made me laugh. And sure. then um, if we go on to the next one, it's by the same artist. Uh-huh. And um, it's an 11 by 14 painting of Kirk. And this is the weirdest thing I have ever seen. Okay, I'm not getting that. <gasps> okay. Did I skip one? I think you skipped one, yeah. Okay, let me let me find it out. Let me find... Okay, also by the same artist. Let's see what comes up. Yes. Hopefully. Oh, okay. All right. I'm with you. Okay. <gasps> <gasps> so, it's, it's like... I can't even quite describe it. So, it's, it's a um, rectangular painting, and it's an extreme close-up of Kirk's face. But, man, it doesn't even really look like a person, does it? Well, you know, if... If the person had more talent, you could almost say the nose was a little bit Picasso. I was going to say that it is very Picasso-esque in that everything is slightly off kilter and and very, like, angular wrong, mm-hmm. wrong angles in that way. And look at his ear. I mean, it's more like a, 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 a um, radish rosette. It is. And then his eyes are like, like, if you've ever seen... Um, this is going to be a stretch, but you know those heads on Easter Island, the Moa? Yeah. Recently, they discovered that they have actual eyes that go in there, and I think they're like carved shells or something, and they're stark white. So when you put them on the black statues, it's very striking, and that's what this looks like to me. Yeah. And he's got eyelashes, little black eyelashes. I know, and they're curling in the wrong directions. They are. So this this disturbs me greatly. Um, yeah. And it is. it was lovingly painted and is looking for a suitable no, new home. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So That's kind of scary. It, it is. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I understand that there are some people who choose to paint in this sort of primitive style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if that's this. Like, is this on purpose to look like this? Or was this really the best that they could do? I don't know. Hmm. 
I don't know. That's pretty... Yeah. So um, let's just skip on to the next thing. Okay. So now this is called the Star Trek Art Print Wall Decor Clay Typography Inspirational Poster Motivational Movie Picard Kirk. It says all of those things. And what it is is a print um, that comes in different sizes. So you can get 5 by 7 or 16 by 20. And it's supposed to be... um, Wait, I skipped something again. Okay, (laughs) I've got to find it. I am sorry. Inspirational Portrait. Okay. My preparation skills are not... Okay. Okay. So this is an inspirational poster like those stupid pictures of eagles flying and stuff that's supposed okay. to make you feel... So it's just the word Star Trek on a yeah. sort of gray-toned background, and there's a drop shadow on the letters. Yeah. Uh, big deal. <laughs> like, how how is that really inspirational? That I it don't... just says Star Trek? I don't get it. You should just frame one of those posters of Echoes. Well... Yeah, those are much more inspirational because yeah. how awesome is Captain Kirk? So I, I was just really confused by the purpose of this. Yeah. And that it cost $9 to just have the word Star Trek. And it's not even in like the Star Trek font or anything. No. It just it just is there. So I, I don't okay. understand it. I don't understand it. Okay. Maybe somebody can explain it to me. All right. <laughs> you should go look at it and tell me. Okay. The next thing is cute. And this is Star Trek tea. Yeah. So they're tea bags, and then the little tags that are on the tea bags are are red background, blue background, and gold background with the Star Trek insignia on them. Don't drink the red. Because you'll die. You'll definitely yeah. die. Um, they have nice flavors that you can get. It's a set of eight tea bags. And I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a cool thing to do. Not that I would well, buy it. Well, yeah. But... If I wasn't using my um, look at his butt mug <laughs> as a, a, a great, you know, pencil and pen thing, and if they had mint tea, because that's what I really like, I would yeah. probably want to have these. But, um, okay. So that's good. <laughs> it's too bad they cost $25, because $25 for eight tea bags seems like kind of a that's, lot. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Star Trek tea. Okay. The last one is like my favorite thing because it's so fucking weird. Oh my God. (laughs) This is, this is a really horrible transporter accident. It's those big eye children. Uh huh. Um, having a transporter accident with a cat in a, in a, with a tiny, tiny body in a Star Trek uniform. And it's got a weapon. Yeah. And it looks like it's underwater. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Man, this thing has so many problems. There's a lot going on in this. So, yeah. It's It's described, though, as lowbrow art. Well, I guess it is. But the the creepy, creepy thing is that the eyes are looking in opposite directions. Yeah, yeah. So here, there's a little story that goes along with it. Oh, no. Ready? Okay. Okay. Um, It says, this is a print of my original oil painting called Captain Pankirk in... The Infinite Whisker. And it starts off with some dialogue. Beam me up, buttons. (laughs) Looks like Captain Pankirk has come to rescue Mr. Fluffy Spock from yet another fine pickle he's gotten himself into. Oh, my God. This is a matted print of my original oil painting of Captain Pankirk, played by pancakes in one of my favorite star trek the animated series stories the infinite whisker originally titled the infinite vulcan in case your memory is a little rusty on a routine mission to phylos fluffy spock is mysteriously kidnapped he faces a dubious future now i know you're probably saying now wait just a second ev Knowles. surely you know there weren't any triples in that story well that's just me taking a little artistic license again triples are fun to paint 
This is the first in my Wibble Trek series, key scenes from memorable episodes portrayed by Wibbles. I, the next thing. I, I don't know what Wibbles are. Mm. <clears throat> and also, Vulcan not included. Okay, so this is not a cat. It's a Tribble. I I think that's a Tribble in front. Like, I thought it was a sea anemone oh. or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's got a little, yeah, spiky, spiny thing. Like oh, it's my a God. spider or something. Can you imagine if you woke up during the night and saw <gasps> this? Oh, my God. It's horrifying. It's yes. really, really horrifying. I, yes. I think you all, listeners, you got to look at this. Or maybe I'll put it in the show notes so you can see it more easily. But <laughs> That'll scare people off. <laughs> you kind of can't imagine how weird this thing is until you look at it. I mean, it is a little human body with a giant cat head on it. I mean, the cat head is oh. easily like 10 times the size of the body with these huge blue eyes that are looking. They're not cat eyes either. They're like no. human eyes in a cat mm-hmm. head that are staring in the opposite direction. And then it's got its little mouth open and you can see the little teeth and stuff. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Oh it's my frightening. God. It is so weird. Yeah. Um, it's $7. Okay. Well, that's $7 too much. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. And uh, let's see. How big is it? Uh, oh, you can get it in different sizes. It can be 5 by 7 or an 8 by 10. Oh, good. I would I would love one of those in my cube. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would definitely, like, if I woke up and saw it, as you say, I would be, I would start screaming. I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. So that's the world of Etsy. That's Star Trek well, on Etsy. Good. We hadn't visited that world in a long time. I know. And now you can find things like cats giant cat heads attached to kirk bodies yeah well it's science fiction what can you say (laughs) (laughs) well i think this has been a really great show i think this has been great we looked at some serious stuff and some fun stuff we got to look at etsy and um we got to see these amazingly gorgeous pictures of kirk so that always makes me happy Yes, we ha- we are going to be providing you guys with plenty of links and be assured that unless it goes to Etsy, you're going to see a really gorgeous Kirk picture. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So as always, listeners, thank you so much for being our fans and for participating and sending us notes and checking us out on Facebook and all the wonderful things that you do. We love you so much. We do. And live long and potluck. We'll be back soon with another show. Bye. Bye.